So I'm really excited about this because we, a lot of times uh, to start the show in the past, Seth has been bringing me some ridiculous shit for <laughs> me to watch and or listen to, um, a la the, uh, the uh, Portillo's <laughs> thing a couple weeks ago. So I have brought something this week uh, to read to Seth. And so I'm very, very excited um, to do that in just a second. So welcome, everybody, to episode 56. It's not to Virtury edition. <laughs> it's an act of... <laughs> Did you just have a stroke mid-intro? <laughs> it's not to Virtury. I don't even know what that was. I My tongue just tripped and fell. Uh, it's an Octaversary edition wow. of the SoCo Show. This is your co-host, Cody Michael. I'm joined, as always, by the SoHo Seth Ott. For a few more weeks. For, well... If I don't win, you know, they're only going to get easier for the next couple months. No. Because it's thinning out. We're talking, of course, about the movie release, or sorry, the new release rectal exam. Thank you. Get the title right. Yeah. Just in title. Get it right. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Uh, Well, we're going to have a lot of fun today. Um, Back to the normal format of the show, just Seth and I here today. But we got a lot of news to cover. Uh, We're going to jump into a new sports segment um, leading up to the NFL season coming up. So we're really excited about that. But first, let's jump into uh, this, this that I brought. Now, this was actually sent to us by Jared. At Jared Buckendall. And he wanted us to give this a read. And I did, and you didn't, because you don't care about Jared. <laughs> and so... Um, this I read, is, like, a sentence. So the following is a, is a review of the movie Blade Two, And uh, we'll link to this down below if you want to read it for yourself. But this was published on March 17th of 2002. So, uh, a warning first. Blade 2 is an R-rated movie. This is the NC-17 review of it. You have been warned. Here we go. Does it say that on there? Yeah. Okay. For me to review Blade 2, it is a major conflict of interest because Guillermo del Toro and I are brothers. His father says so. His wife believes this. Guillermo and I are just the best of friends. But when El Gordo calls my father dad and I call his dad Pops... And we delve into hours of passionate discussion about H.P. Lovecraft, Goya, Steve Ditko action, the movies, and pussy. We can lose all track of time on planet Earth. It's quite a list. But having attended the world premiere of Blade 2 last night, one inescapable thought crossed my mind during the movie. Ten to one, I believe Guillermo del Toro eats pussy better than any man alive. Ugh, gross. Watch his House of Pain sequence in Blade 2. Blade 2 is the tongue, mouth, fingers, and lips of a lover. The audience is the clit. Watch your audience. This is where Guillermo del Toro goes down on the audience. It starts with long licks with a nose bump on the joy button slowly. What the hell? He smiles as he does this, watching the audience begin to squirm. Then he takes the audience's clit into his mouth and just licks it like crazy. (laughs) The audience is ready, on the precipice, then calm. He backs off. Long licks again. Brings in a finger to massage the to massage a bit. Licks from the bottom to the top. The audience is cooing. He has them. They want release. He acts like he's going to give it to you. Takes you right to the edge. The audience's backs are arched, ready to come. Backs, <laughs> backs, off, backs off, pinching the nipples just so. His head bobbing up to say, you like? The audience shifts around, needing release. He builds again. The pressure at a near boiling point. Each stroke, the each stroke and moment, a hypersensitive place. Two fingers to the sweet spot. The audience is there. 
right there at that point. Suddenly, he's relentless, taking the audience through a rampage of orgasms, trying to get away, trying to escape. Back, 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 but he has you. And he's never going to let you forget this moment. The audience was electric, frenetically frothing. Guillermo (laughs) hears them begging, no more. When he decides to stop for a moment, there is that relaxed calm. The audience relaxes, labored breathing, a sated smile. When suddenly the relentless bastard is at it again, <laughs> you begin smile. You begin laughing, trying to push him away. But no, more pleasure, more joy, more fun. You can't handle it. You start giggling and screaming, and it goes on like this for quite some time till the end. The credits roll. The theater lights come up. You look at the screen and you realize you want that tongue again. <laughs> you want that feeling again, and you watch it again and again because damn, he respects the clit. This goes on for a while. Um, but that, that's the part I wanted to read, <laughs> but that's seriously like a quarter of the thing. Um, two thoughts on that. One, that sounds way more like a Lou Holtz podcast than it does a Guillermo del Toro movie review. <laughs> it is review. freakishly reminiscent of, of the podcast. Let me, let me read just another little section. He says, okay, maybe I took that metaphor mo- too far. Maybe, but I had two girls around me pitch black and... Patch black and blued on my right forearm with slaps and rabbit punches as though Guillermo was pounding the short hairs. <laughs> and Saffron, not Vegas, gripping my shoulder from behind like a frickin' Spock, leaning up to my ear to say, you didn't tell me this was pornography. <laughs> to which I grab her hand, sniff her fingers, and said, mm, your fingers are wet. Enjoy. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's all the va- vagina stuff that happens. Okay. But, I mean, it's, it's a whole thing. Like, when- it is insane when was this review posted 2002 okay march 17th of 2002 how did it just get noticed i don't i don't know i'm sure it got noticed at the time but jared Jared just found it and uh shout out to you at jared buckendall for sending it to us uh that's that's all we're gonna read today but i am gonna post you gotta go on folks and read this whole thing because (laughs) it is completely nuts the other thing about that is guillermo del toro uh is 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 a gross looking creature of a man yeah, he's not a no, not a sex magnet. So I just pictured his his pube like beard just going to town. <laughs> I mean, the whole time you're reading that, he's got some thigh ticklers there on his cheeks, no doubt about that. Um, and apparently, he respects the clit. <laughs> Which, Who doesn't? Yeah, that's true. Who doesn't? Um, so that's yeah, that's uh, that's that's that post was by a user named Head Geek, and was posted on Ain't It Cool News in 2002. Um, so again, we'll link to that. Go, go read it for yourself. Let us know what you think. Uh, hit us up on Twitter and, uh, make sure you make sure and, uh, hit Jared up at Jared Buckendall and thank him for the entertainment. So we're going to jump into the show. Speaking of respecting the clit, I think a guy who, uh, likes to tweet a lot about respect is the Iron Sheik. I call you a punk. Hey, Billy Joel. Next time sing, hey, jabronis in the middle of the night, you can go fuck yourself. <laughs> the Sheik listening to little Billy Joel? I guess so. I guess so. What did he say? Hey, what? Hey, jabronis, in the middle of the night, you can go fuck yourself. There it is. There it is. And I, I, I don't mean to speculate, but it sounds like that was another all caps classic from the Sheik. Oh, of course. He doesn't tweet anything else but all caps. <laughs> One of his best friends died last week and he still tweeted in all caps. Yeah, that's true. Uh, you're talking, of course, of um, now I can't think of his name. Nikolai Volkov. Nikolai Volkov. Um, they were like tag team partners back in the day, is that right? Yeah, they would. Uh, they do this routine where um, Nikolai Volkov would sing the I think his Russian national anthem, the Soviet Union, whatever, and then uh, <laughs> they would like take the American flag and throw it on the ground and stomp on it, mm-hmm. and and she could go hot pui 
and spit on it. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, they were big time heels. I know that much. Um, a lot of people didn't like them because I was like the time when everything about wrestling was like America versus everybody else. Yeah, it was it was very big characters, but especially like villains were often um, different nationalities slash races. Mm-hmm. It's always the big white meat baby face versus the different colored like like Yokozuna was a big giant sumo wrestler from Japan <laughs> <laughs> like that type of stuff well that uh really classy stuff WWF back <laughs> in the day but uh I guess we've all we've all grown up a lot since then haven't we Seth nope <laughs> one guy that hasn't uh is of course the Iron Sheik I call you a punk Make sure you guys check out the description box down below. There you'll find a link to audibletrial.com slash SoCo. Uh, check out the link and you can get yourself 30 days of Audible and your first audiobook for free. Beep. I know uh, personally I, I mentioned last week on the show that I had downloaded a couple books by uh, Ta-Nehisi Coates. And uh, man, that dude can write. <laughs> I'm working on his book uh, Between the World and Me, which uh, Seth, You're if you You're working on it? Yeah. Oh, if man. You, if you remember, got a job. yeah, I got a job on the book. Um, Seth, you remember in Equalizer two when he gives the kid a book to read? Mm-hmm. It's that book. Okay. Yeah. So um, it's uh, that's one of the re- that's one of the reasons that I got that because I was reminded of it by Equalizer two. So even though I wasn't blown away by Equalizer two, and by the way, folks, you can uh, see our ride home from that up on YouTube now. Um, I, I was I was pleased that it gave me a good book recommendation, so that was good. <laughs> if you got one positive thing from that. And that probably is all I got. Um, uh-huh. So, yeah, not a, not a great movie. So go you know, ahead. it's weird, uh, the tangent here, real quick. Um, I, I We kind of hate it on the movie, or at least we're, like, very underwhelmed or disappointed. And I've seen, actually, some people say decent things about it, where mm-hmm. they're like, yeah, it's good. Like that, you know? Like, we, yeah. couldn't, we couldn't even give it that. <laughs> yeah, I think that's as good as it can do. Yeah. I, I, I don't... I doubt that ever anyone's out there raving about it. But mm-hmm. anyway... Uh, yeah, subpar sequels aside, make sure you're checking out audibletrial.com slash SoCo. Again, 30 days and your first book for free. Beep. You won't get anything free from the Etsy store for Mathis Designs, but you should still go check it out. Uh, our good friend Steph Mathis, uh, graphic designer out of Des Moines, Iowa, um, did all of the new uh, graphics um, that we've had for the past month or so here on uh, the SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, iTunes, and, of course, YouTube. At Jared Buckendall. So if you like what you see there, make sure you check out her link and uh, see what she's got out there on the store. Paid. Paid, indeed. Let's get into the show proper. This is usually where we would be uh, playing some games, but it sounds like we got a little something new up your sleeve this week. Yeah, I decided this week that I wanted to uh, become a little more cultured and learn about some new things, you know, read some more news stories. I often get my news from Twitter, uh, which is mostly just things I follow, like entertainment news. So I, I decided to venture out and look into some more news. So I wanted to bring that to you and to the show. So in a new segment, I like to call one word summaries. I'm going to give you three words uh, and you're going to choose the news story corresponding to that. So whatever word sounds most intriguing, you'll choose a news story. You choose that word, and I'll read a news story based off that word. All right. Little news. I like this. Uh, I know we all tend to get kind of bogged down in, in just the stuff we follow. So, mm-hmm. yeah, let's uh, let's stretch our legs a little bit. What are our options this week? So the options are the first word, animals, second word, protection, or third word, waste. Out of Is the... that waste like a body part or waste? Oh, that's, I'm just giving you waste. 
Oh, fuck, you, know, you, don't, you, know, you never give me anything. It's true. Uh, so it was what? Animals, protection, and waste? Yes. Let's do, uh, let's do protection. Protection? Yeah. Okay. So I'll read, the, I'll read the, the headlines from the other two stories first. All right. So animals was <laughs> rogue goats take over Idaho, Idaho neighborhood. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of wishing we would have read that one. <laughs> and, then, pro- and then waste was Florida man dumps porta potty waste in 7-Eleven as revenge, police say. Dude, Florida man is always at it. Like, you got to love Florida man. That guy's insane. Um, we'll link to both of those in the description, but tell us, tell us what we selected. We selected CDC strongly suggests people not reuse or wash condoms. Oh, what? <laughs> Wait, what? Just now they suggested that? <laughs> yeah, this news story was on August 2nd. So people are doing that. Yeah. Yeah. So here, I'll read. I'll read the I'll go a little bit into it. fucking puns already in a trend worthy of condemnation people are apparently people are apparently trying to stretch their dollars by reusing old condoms yeah stretch too (laughs) wait what news source is this huffington post okay weird news so you can find all these stories don't look it up beforehand by the way so like each week i'm gonna probably pull it from this website more than likely so don't look it up okay but you but you can link to these um so it may be thrifty, but it's also dangerous. Very dangerous. That's why the Center for Disease Control and Prevention felt ob- obliged to be proactive about the proper use of prophylactics. The CDC released a tweet last week reminding people not to reuse or re- or wash their rubbers. <laughs> and then there's there's a <laughs> there's a tweet of a bunch of fucking used condoms and, <laughs> and says, "We say it because people do it. Don't wash or reuse hashtag #condoms." Hashtag #condoms. <laughs> <laughs> Are they washing the inside, the outside, or both? I would assume both. It doesn't give any specific details. It doesn't say how someone would... That's probably good, or a bunch of people would start doing it. (laughs) Yeah. But basically, it's just saying people are... What could you possibly think would clean that to a point that it was usable again? Soap, (laughs) I guess. I don't know, man. That's gross. Can you imagine, like... If you're, uh, I get like if you were a girl and you went over to someone's place, mm. and you were like, "Go get a condom," and then he like went over to a little clothesline and unpinned, <laughs> unpinned one from the fucking line, and then how do you get it back on? You just, you just. You do you roll it back up? You might, or you just like tug and pull. Oh, that sounds painful. You'd have to roll it back up and put it in a little ziplock. Yeah, so it says some people might think soap and water will kill all of the tiny microorganisms on the inside of the condom, but that's not the case. Tyrone said, who's the guy from the CDC, said it can only make the latex more prone to tear. The warning comes at a time when STDs are on the rise, according to the CDC's National 2016 Surveillance Report. Oh, good. Yeah, so more than 2 million cases of chlamydia, gonorrhea, and syphilis were reported in the United States. So, hey, just use new ones. They're not that expensive. And even if they were that expensive, it's worth it to not have chlamydia, gonorrhea, and syphilis. <laughs> also, I feel like, though, yes, the cases are are getting higher, but the people who are reusing condoms are probably people I don't have sex with anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those people aren't getting STDs, but yeah. it's not it's not because of the clean condoms. Yeah. Any, any, anyone who's ever been with someone or does reuse condoms... Like if I walked into a girl's place and there's a bunch of condoms hanging there and she's like, oh, don't worry. I got I cleaned them. <laughs> yeah. 
I'm going to be like, uh, no, thanks. She could be fucking, she could be Kate Upton. Never mind. She's pregnant. Um, I won't need to reuse condoms with her. Um, that would, first of all, that wouldn't stop me. With <laughs> but also like that would, it would look like a, like a gross old, like convenience store where you see the fly tape hanging from the ceiling. <laughs> That's what that would look like. Except and there'd probably be flies on it. it well, there ain't flies in there. <laughs> there's swims. <laughs> Oh my god! Well, I gotta say, when I when I hit record today, I did not think that we'd be talking about washing condoms, but I'm I'm happy for the new segment. What's it called again? Uh, one word summaries. One word summary. So we'll bring this back. We'll give you a bunch of wacky ass news, and uh, yeah, a link link to the full articles, uh, all three of them, even though we just talked about the one. Link to all three uh, in the description below. So make sure you check those out. Oh, and if you have a if you have a crazy news story to suggest. Um, then send it over to Seth on Twitter at SokoShowPod or at Seth O'Ott um, so that he can he can choose the very best and, uh, and read him on the show. So we'll check out that. All right, so from the wacky news, let's get into the news that you came to listen to. And we're going to start this week in video games. Video games! Whoa! Whoa! Not so much news this week as just a couple of release dates that we wanted to make you aware of. So this episode of the podcast is dropping on August 10th. Uh, that is the same day that you can pick up Madden 19 um, in store. So if you're a Madden fan and you forgot, um, today Madden <laughs> is out. So go pick up Madden if that's what you're into. Uh, me and you, not not planning on picking up uh, Madden this year, huh? Yeah, probably not. It seems that I always play it for a week or so. Like mm-hmm. last year, I, I think the only thing I did, I played that story mode. Played through that real. I played that through that in like five hours. Um, and then played a couple games in a season and then I quit playing it. Mm-hmm. Plus this year, you know, we'll talk about it, but September is loaded. Yeah. And I know I'd play I'd play it for a week and then be done with it. So Yeah, exactly. I'm I'm buying less games in general lately and Madden is just one that um you know, I, I play it every year. I may eventually get it when it drops in price this winter, but um, right now, just not high up on my list. But the other game coming out this Friday is definitely one I'm picking up. Finally, We Happy Few is going to be coming out. We've been talking about this since episode one of the fucking <laughs> podcast. Uh, we Happy Few, if you don't remember, is a dystopian future in, I think, Britain, where um, everybody is on a drug called Joy that makes them all happy. And your character goes off the drug, and basically some creepy shit ensues, because you get to see what the world is really like when you're not on the drug, and there's these creepy clown-looking cops that are chasing you around. It's supposed to be pretty creepy. It's been in a development nightmare for like two and a half years, um, but finally it's coming out, and Cody will be picking that one up on day one for sure. So more to come. Um, I'll, I'll keep you guys posted as uh, as I work my way through that one, and uh, probably not. Uh, you're not a big horror game fan, so you're probably not going to get this one, huh? No, probably not. Yeah. Well, I'll keep you and uh, our our listeners at home updated on We Happy Few. Um, if you get to it first, let us know. Um, you know, send us a, send us a tweet. If you get it and it sucks and you don't want me to buy it, then tweet me at underscore Cody Michael and warn me before I do so. But uh, I don't think that'll be the case. I think it'll be good. It's had certainly has had the time to be good. So we shall see. But from there, let's move on to sports. Sports. And boom goes the dynamite. Before we get into our our, our new uh, new segment for the next few weeks, um, kind of sports related, uh, in, in in the world of politics slash sports. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
as, as, as people might, might know, we're big wrestling, professional wrestling fans. And uh, one of our childhood uh, favorites, Kane. Kane! <laughs> Fire guy. He is, he, is, he is a man, before I tell you what happened to him here, he is a man who has done such things as start a commentator on fire. Um, throw a fireball at a wrestler and also electrocute a man's testicles with a car battery. Nice. So this Sounds guy, like my Friday night. Yeah, he's definitely done a lot of a lot of dastardly things. But he won a mayoral race in uh, Knox County, Tennessee. So he's now a, a mayor. Now he can light his constituents on fire. That's so. true. <laughs> um, he's actually a really smart dude. He's like, he, I think he's an actuary and stuff too. No shit. Yeah, he's pretty smart. Doesn't look smart at all. Um, but what I think this really opens the door for is more wrestlers to be in, in public office. So I feel like the next person that's applicable here is, is Hulk Hogan, right? Oh, geez. Let me tell you something, brother. I'm going to be the mayor of Sarasota, Florida. <laughs> <laughs> I want him to be president so that he can say, let me tell you something, VP. <laughs> Who would be, would he be your number one uh, celebrity po- or WWE politician? Well, I mean, I'd, I'd love Stone Cold Steve Austin to be the Yeah. Because he'd be like, he'd get up, his victory speech would just him standing on the on the podium, smashing beers together. And flipping people off. Yeah. But Hulk Hogan would be fun too. He's like, all oh, the millions, my Hulkamaniac voters, brother. I want, I want it to be The Rock. And I know. Dude. That- I know that The Rock is like a popular like joke people make about The Rock mm-hmm. should be president, but I want it for one reason and one reason only. When he gets to his inauguration, he could say that he's so excited to be in front of the millions <laughs> and millions <laughs> and millions of Rock voters, and that would be fucking awesome. It would be pretty sweet. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, sports, I guess, is where we're at. Yeah, um, <laughs> dude. And uh, it's a big week because the NFL is back. Uh, last week we had the Hall of Fame game, which unofficially, well, officially kicks off the 2018-19 NFL season. Um, there was a game, but whatever, it's a preseason game, nobody cares. Um, but also this past week, the Hall of Fame for 2018 um, induction ceremonies happened. And, uh, you, you know, we're, we're getting old because a lot of these are players who we saw them in the prime of their careers. I'll, I'll read off the list real, really quick. Um, Bobby Bethard, Robert Brazil. Brian Dawkins, Jeremy Kramer, Ray Lewis, Randy Moss, Terrell Owens, and Brian Urlacher. So those last handful of guys, definitely ones that we're familiar with. Mm-hmm. T.O. made the news by not going. Yep. Um, he did his own little private speech. Um, I haven't gone back and listened to any of the speeches of you. I watched a little bit of Brian Urlacher's when I was in the line to get a burrito. <laughs> um. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> Okay, and was it as good as the burrito? Uh, it was interesting. Yeah. He he, uh, yeah. There were some tears shed. Apparently, he he had a stepdad that's pretty influential to him, mm. and uh, and uh, he shot it out Lance Briggs saying he's going to be in the Hall of Fame. Doubt it, but uh, yeah, it was cool. It was interesting. I'm really uh, hoping oh. to get a chance to go back and listen to Ray Lewis. He's I saw a bit of his too. Yeah, he yeah. did. He did the dance with. Uh... Oh fuck! Who was up there with him? Suggs. No. Jay Glazer? Is it Ozzy Newsome? Am I thinking of Oh, it might have been Ozzy Newsome. I think yeah, he's doing the doing the that dance he did. Yeah. He must have been the headliner. He must have been the final guy. I would have guessed that. He's uh, he's a really gifted public speaker. So I, I definitely want to go check his out, but I haven't I, yet. I want to watch his and Mosses. I didn't get a chance to see Mosses yet either. Randomos. Straight yeah. cash on me. <laughs> yep. So yeah, a lot of man, it does make you feel old because I 
absolutely remember all these guys young and then also in their prime. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, the, I think one of the bigger pieces of news out here is that the NFL right now is kind of pissed at Terrell Owens for not showing up. Yeah. And they're considering making a rule that in the future, if you don't show up, you don't get inducted, which whatever. I think it's a, it, I don't think it matters all that much, but um yeah, pretty fun to see some of the guys that we grew up watching mm-hmm. getting into the Hall of Fame. So this is cool. I don't know. For me, I think um, Ray Lewis would be the one that I saw the most of. But I know as a Vikings fan, probably Randy Moss was the one that made you the most excited. Yeah, I mean, it, of course, the thing about with him is for me, like the the real like height of my fandom as a kid didn't start until I was probably like 13, 14. So mm-hmm. I caught the real tail end of Randy Moss. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause by then he'd, he'd kind of wanted out and then went to the Patriots and that's where he had his most success um, or best season, I guess. So yes and no. I mean, I had a Moss Jersey when I was a kid just because that's the guy he owned. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it wasn't, it wasn't as big of a deal, but honestly the guy I saw probably play the most being a Vikings fan that got inducted was Brian Arlacher. Yep. Uh, Cause he was beating up on us for a long time. So mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, there were some good guys between between Moss and To. Uh, certainly, no shortage of that wacky celebration star power that they had. <laughs> I was uh, I saw a, a flat a stat flash of Randy Moss. His record setting receiving touchdown total from that year with New England was like twenty four or twenty six touchdowns. Yeah, isn't that fucking crazy? It's great. That was a, an amazing season. That's a touchdown and a half per game. Yeah, that's tw- what ten. Nine or ten fantasy points just in touchdowns per yeah. game. I don't know who had him in fantasy, but I'm sure they won there that year. Yeah, someone who if, if anyone had both Tom Brady and him, you would have not lost a game that season. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, that would be that would be pretty insane. So moving moving from NFL history to NFL future, um, we are going to start a segment this week in the remaining four weeks leading up to the NFL uh, season opener. Um, we are going to just take a little bit of time and just give our give our thoughts on the different divisions throughout the league. So we'll do uh, north, south, east, and west from each, uh, the NFC and AFC. And uh, we'll, we'll, we won't get super deep into any of them, but just kind of give our thoughts, maybe predict winners from each of the divisions. So our, our two divisions um, this week in, in the first iteration of this are going to be the NFC and AFC South. Let's start with the AFC South which both of these are, are divisions that are interesting to me this season, but for different reasons. The AFC South is the Colts, the Houston Texans, the Jacksonville Jaguars, and the Tennessee Titans. <laughs> and all of these, I think, are teams that have potential. Mm-hmm. And we just ha- I just have no idea who is going to come out of this. I think a lot of people are saying that Jacksonville has maybe the most potential. There are a lot of really good young guys. Saxonville. Are, are they who your who your front runner is for for the AFC South this year? I think so. I I think so. It it's so hard to tell with the Colts could, you know, if Andrew Luck comes back to his full self, he could be you know, he could he could lead them to a playoff appearance. Mm-hmm. Um it's Deshaun Watson's game, you know, we saw a small chunk of him last year, so we really don't know how he's going to be with Houston. Um could he, you know, he's he he also has he has two AS, two ACL injuries on both legs. So mm-hmm. I mean, like, yes, you know, ACLs aren't aren't as big of a thing as they used to be, but it's still you know a guy who relies on his legs and the power of his arm. He's going to need his legs. So uh, it's it's hard to tell there. And uh, Tennessee again, they're they're a wild card too. I mean, they they played they made the playoffs last year. Yeah, you know, um, I I and I actually like them a little more this year, uh, especially with like young guys like Corey Davis, uh, Derrick Henry. 
Uh, they just signed Dion Lewis, so their their offense looks good. Uh, I know they they improve their offensive line a little bit, and their defense uh, could could use some work. But um, I still think have to, I have to go with, with Saxonville after uh, their you know, what they went thirteen and three last year. Mm-hmm. Um, I, yeah, they had a weaker schedule, but they still. I mean, they played a lot of teams really tough. They played they they. I mean, they beat the Steelers, who were people. Twice. Were, yeah. And there, then a lot of people had the Steelers going to the Super Bowl. You know, um, did, they played New England pretty tough until the end too, of that. Yeah, New that, England beat them in the last, just the last minute. Yeah. of that game with so, an incredible touchdown pass from Brady. But yeah, so I, I, they're 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 a tough team. I and they they can run the ball. Uh, I heard that Leonard Fournette has dropped twenty pounds and he's still about two hundred thirty pounds. <laughs> so uh, I think he'll be a little quicker, a little more durable this year. He had some leg problems at the, at the end of last year, ankle. Uh, that'll help with that. So uh, if they can get him going and continue to run the ball and not rely, have to rely on Blake Bortles, I think that offense will do pretty well too. Yeah, I think there there are certainly um, some tough defenses in this division, especially Jacksonville. I think Tennessee is going to have a pretty good defense. Houston's is a little uh, a little shaky, and then the Colts are just terrible. <laughs> um, but uh, I think the biggest factor for this division is going to be the quarterbacks, mm-hmm. and they're really – it's question marks across the board. You mentioned um, on Houston. <laughs> Deshaun Watson. Yeah, you mentioned Deshaun Watson coming back from injury. Who knows what we'll see from him in his second season. Um, Andrew Luck is finally back making throws, but he hasn't played in a year and a half. Mm-hmm. It's going to be damn near two years he's gone by the time he plays his first game. Blake Bortles has always been a question mark. He played pretty well last season. Yeah, he had a, he finished finished the in the playoffs, and then the last few games before the season ended, he was he was pretty lights out. So mm-hmm. I remember seeing him make a couple throws. I'm like, damn, that looked good. So. Yeah, he certainly has shown in flashes, and so has Marcus Mariota, mm-hmm. who has been a little up and down in his first three years, but I think can, I think above average consistently. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes worse, sometimes better. Um, who I, I if you had to rank these quarterbacks from best to worst. Going into game, talking game one of the season, who do you want to have? I would still say Luck. Mm-hmm. I'd still say Luck number one, um, Mariota number two, Watson three, and then Bortles four. Just because I think while Bortles has shown success and played well, he's also looked absolutely dog shit terrible. Real bad, yeah. And Watson, while he has such a short, small sample size, um, he was dominant last year when he was when he was out there. So um, I would go luck because we've seen him doing consistently, and he's mm-hmm. you know you've seen him spot the Colts eight wins con- you know consistently. Mm-hmm. Um, Mariota because he, again he has the most he has more experience, um, and, and honestly I don't know, in terms of total playing time he might have more experience now than Luck does because Luck's m- missed some time. Yeah. Um, and then Watson be- the third because of the the you know what what he showed. Yeah, I think I would agree with you. Um, I I really like Watson. Um, I certainly like him better than Bortles. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I saw from Watson last year, I mean that that is that offense last year. I'm really excited to see them play this year mm-hmm. because they play some like schoolyard football. Mm-hmm. Like they are slinging that bitch around the field. <laughs> right. They move fast. They score a shitload of points, and he doesn't turn the ball over a lot. Mm-hmm. So they they have the the makings of an exciting team. I think he's an exciting young player for sure. Um, I do like Mariota. I think that he improves this year. Um, he's always kind of tied to Jameis Winston, and we'll get to him eventually, but I do think his trajectory is better than Jameis Winston's going mm-hmm. forward. Um, Andrew Luck, we just don't really fucking know. I, I do think that 
He's probably the best player. I don't know if his numbers will look as good because he doesn't have a team around him. <laughs> and right. for that reason, even though Bortles ranks last for me, I, I I do tend to agree that Jacksonville is who I probably have coming out of this division because mm-hmm. he is the best supporting cast around him. Yeah, they, I they, think, they even got some good receivers, too. I mean, Marquise Lee has turned out to be pretty damn good. Mm-hmm. Uh, they got some young guys in D.D. West, Westbrook and uh, Cole. I can't remember his first name, but um, they got – and. Yeah, I mean, like I said, they got Fournette, so they don't need to pass it. But when they do, they have weapons that are going to make plays. Absolutely, absolutely. So they're my front runner. I think um, the Titans and and Houston are kind of wild cards for me. They might be a game a game or two behind Jacksonville and in that wild card race in the AFC. I don't give the Colts much of a chance to make the playoffs. I think that they'll have a good showing, maybe seven wins, eight wins mm-hmm. because of luck. But I, I don't have them in my playoff picture. Do you? No, no, not at all. Right, not right now with with luck and just the lack of talent they have on their team. Uh, one other thing to think about too is most of last year, Houston didn't have Watt. JJ Watt was hurt most of last year. That's true. And J- Jadavian Clowney really stepped up last year. He did, yeah. And that guy's if, a freak. Yeah, if they can, if they can both, if Watt can return to his former self, which he's still youngish, you mm-hmm. know, not super old, he can still have a few years ago. I think um, if they can both at the same time be the dominant players that they can be that that could really that could actually make a big difference for the defense of, of Houston they they got a decent secondary the middle of the field's kind of exposed but um it'll be it'll be interesting if they both can get going so that'll be a wild card it, it, really if they can be firing all cil- on cil- all cylinders on offense and keep that same production they had with with uh Watson and then also bring that with the defensive pressure like that um it, they could be a really interesting team I, I do agree with you, and I, I would even take it a step further and say that Watt doesn't need to be his former self early. If he if he's healthy and starting, and he's across the line from Jadavian Clowney, mm-hmm. even if he's not as good as he's been in the past, he will still get attention. Yep. And that's going to make, I mean, lines are going to be shifting to try to block one or both of those guys, so mm-hmm. one of them at all times is going to have an opportunity to make plays, and I think they will. They're going to be exciting. Um I think the division is interesting. We we both agree that Jacksonville is probably our front runner. Some team, some folks out there, I tend to disagree. But some folks are saying Jacksonville should be considered a Super Bowl contender. Are you on that train? Not not with having the quarterback right mm-hmm. now. Um, I think that er, the the way they played towards the end of last season remind me a lot of the Ravens when they won the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Um, Flacco was playing out of his mind. Bortles is playing out of his mind in terms of what he can do. Um, I, that being said, Joe Flacco is not a good quarterback and I don't think Bortles, oh, man, he's elite <laughs> and, and, uh, Bortles isn't necessarily a good quarterback in my, in, in my opinion either. He's fine, but he's, I don't think he's, he's not the type of quarterback that's going to win a Super Bowl on any given year. So just with that alone, you can't put him in the, in the conversation. Yeah, right I agree now. with you. And that's a good reason. I mean, quarterbacks win Super Bowls. We've seen that time mm-hmm. and time and time and time again. So, um, I do agree. Let's let's flip over to um, to the NFC South. Now, this is this is this might be my favorite division in football right mm-hmm. now. This is an exciting division. You have Atlanta Falcons, Carolina Panthers, New Orleans Saints, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think three of those teams I would pick to get into the playoffs this year, leaving out, of course, Tampa Bay. Um, you know, the Saints coming off a really, really strong showing last year kind of got ripped off last year by the Vikings. <laughs> um, you have uh, Atlanta, who was also really hot last year. They actually beat the Rams out in a pretty decent playoff game last year. And then they, they ended up playing the Eagles pretty close, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, they won. They lost by a field goal, which yeah. I still fucking maintain. 
if they would have beaten the Eagles, the Vikings would have played them at home, and they would have been a much better game. <laughs> uh, well, I, I mean, it couldn't have been a much worse game. <laughs> Carolina's interesting to me, too. Uh, they do lose Calvin Benjamin. That's a big piece from their offense this year. But Cam Newton is back. He's been playing well. Um, this was a good team. Don't forget about Carolina from last season. They um, Did they make the playoffs and lose or barely miss? They missed the playoffs. They barely missed the playoffs. But I think they won 10 or 11 games and were just a solid all-around team mm-hmm. and in a tough division won those 10 or 11 games. So I'm very interested to hear what you think, Seth, about, about this division because I think it's a stacked one. Yeah, it is pretty stacked. Uh, your point about Calvin Benjamin, he actually left about midway through the season. That's right. So I don't think that's much of a factor. Um, I, in fact, I think that's going to end up playing in more positive because I think, like with this offseason, they're definitely going to focus more on um, – who's that other – Devin Funchess. Mm-hmm. They're going to focus more on him. I think they dra- a big fucking freak too. Yeah, and they drafted a, they drafted a young guy. Of course, still got Greg Olson. Um, they're gonna focus. I know they're gonna focus a lot. It sounds early out of camp. It sounds like uh, McCaffrey is gonna be a big focus of the offense this year, mm-hmm. which I like hearing that. He had a good season last year, mm-hmm. kind of that utility Darren Sproles player, but they used him well, and mm-hmm. he, I think he was pretty good. Um, and then they they did also sign C.J. Anderson, which I don't think he'll be much of a much of a factor, but uh, you know, kind of goal line guy type, I think maybe. Mm-hmm. But, maybe uh, not. But I, I will this, and I said this about Carolina last year, and it's maybe a little bit muted because of losing Benjamin. That might be the strongest like physically strongest and biggest, like front five guys of any offense. I mean, they're freaks. Mm-hmm. All those guys. Funches is huge. Benjamin was huge. They had uh, Jonathan Stewart last season. They mm-hmm. replaced him with Anderson. He's a big fucking dude. Other than McCaffrey, all those guys are big fucking freaks. And don't forget, of course, about Cam Newton. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I do like their offense. I think, again, they're, they're, they're a team on defense other than like Josh Norman. It's kind of hit or miss. Uh, of course, they got Luke Keekley as well, but – um, their defense was kind of lacking last year too. So, yeah, I mean, I still put them in contention. Um, looking at the Falcons, they 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 barely made the playoffs. They were they were down to the last the mm-hmm. last. I think it was between them and the, the Panthers actually. Yeah, it was. They're they're just a team that I look at and I'm I'm just I'm never impressed with. Mm-hmm. But somehow they still make the playoffs. They just keep winning, man. Yeah. And it's like Matt Ryan had a down year last year, but still good enough to to make the playoffs. The, even the running, the running attack kind of had a, a, a so-so year. Like because the year before, when they were when they made when they went to the Super Bowl, they uh, the their running game was just strong. You know, they had both both their guys, uh, form Freeman and and Coleman, were just going crazy. And last year, just kind of you know iffy. They both they both did good enough job. Uh, Julio kind of had a, an up and down year last year too. He's getting a little bit older and was banged up. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I. I I think I like the Panthers a little more than I like the Falcons, but it's pretty close. Um, one guy I do like too, Austin Hooper, who's there. I think this is his third year. He kind of broke out last year. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is his third year as, as a tight end there. I think they want to get him more involved. He's he's big, fast, uh, got good hands. So I could see him getting more involved on the offense. Uh, defense, the defensive side, they've actually gotten better. They've re-signed some, some good cornerbacks. Um, they got guys like Vic Beasley on, on uh, for line, in their linebacking core. Um, I, I like them on the de- on defense actually, and they they got their defensive uh, head coach, their minded head coach. Uh, what the fuck's his name? Dan Quinn. Dan Quinn. I knew it was Dan. So yeah, Dan, Dan Quinn is a really really smart defensive coach. Uh, I do I do like him. I, th- I think their defense is one thing that got better last year. One of the reasons they didn't score as many points, I think, is because they were keeping teams uh, to closer scores. So. Mm-hmm. I almost want to skip over the Buccaneers, <laughs> just because I, I'm totally good with that. Yeah, I mean they're 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 a mess. Uh, Jameis Winston isn't he suspended? 
I don't know, but let me ask you this. Would you cut him? No. You'd keep him? Yeah. I think he's still talented enough. Uh, he's he's still, he's still, I mean, each year he's improved. He even, ha- even last year he had better stats than the year before. Yeah, that's and, true. And he didn't play for four games last year. Mm-hmm. So... He, I think, I think he's a good quarterback. He's just a moron yeah. and doesn't know how to keep himself out of trouble. Uh, and I think that that everyone on the Bucks is that. Yeah, they've got a lot of talented guys, and mm-hmm. they should have a scary offense. Last mm-hmm. year they did at times, mm-hmm. but they just don't perform. Mike Evans, I think, one of the top five or seven maybe wide receivers in football, mm-hmm. but they just don't sometimes just don't get him the ball. Yeah, um, they have a couple really talented tight ends. They've got some decent running backs. They should be a good offense, but they just keep finding ways to to not do that. Mm-hmm. Um, the defense, I think, is a little suspect. But the defense is they they in their their secondary. They have three first round picks in their mm-hmm. secondary, and none of them are good. Yeah, <laughs> like they they've drafted so poorly. Yeah, but. it's it's weird with them. Yeah, I, I think they're definitely the fourth best team in this division. Um, I would argue that the first best team in this division is the Saints. Yep, that's, now, that's what I was going to next. They're bringing back Drew Brees, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, he just signed again on a short-term contract, but he's making a bunch of fucking money. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael Thomas, really talented receiver, coming back yep. for his fourth year. They still have a stacked-ass backfield. Um, you got to just love this team, right? Yeah, no, they're, they're, they're my pick to win. Um, yeah, I mean, Michael Thomas, I think he's one of the top five receivers in the NFL right now. He does everything. He's fast, he's big, he can catch, run routes. He's great. Uh, All over the field. Yeah. Love he's, him. He's, he's outstanding. Uh, of course, yeah. Like like you talked about, Drew Brees. I think he's he, he he had kind of a slower year last year, but he played well. He's very efficient. Um, efficient but, is the word because mm-hmm. they ran so well. He didn't. I mm-hmm. had him in fantasy, and it frustrated me. Because yeah, yeah. He would be twenty for twenty four. Mm-hmm. Would be his and for like two hundred fifty yards and a touchdown. two touchdowns. Yeah, yeah. So he was he played very very well. They just mm-hmm. didn't need him as much. Yep. Um, and then you mentioned the running backs. Now Mark Ingram is suspended for four games. Um, for PEDs, mm-hmm. and from all accounts, it sounds like they really want Alvin Kamara to be the guy there. Mm-hmm. So, I think that they are gonna. I think they're gonna pass more this year because he's he he is that type of running back. He yeah. catches. He can catch from anywhere on the field. Uh, he can run routes just like a receiver, um, but he also can run from the backfield very very well. Mm-hmm. So he is he is just such a him on the field is just an explosion. You know, like you don't know where they're gonna go next. I'll say this. Um, we So you and I were in L.A. last year, mm-hmm. and we watched the Rams play the Saints. Mm-hmm. And well, I... Kind of. Well, <laughs> <laughs> drunk Cody and drunk Seth watched that happen. We were present. What I do remember, though, is seeing Alvin Kamara just take a basic-ass stretch play <laughs> yeah. and absolutely just run away <laughs> yeah. from guys. Like, we're watching this play, and because of our angle, it was a little strange. We couldn't see <laughs> the lanes very well, but he just... Boom, and was gone yeah. on just a normal-ass running play. Yep. There wasn't any huge block. He didn't make any huge move. He's just fucking fast. Yep. I remember. I do remember that, one of the few things I remember <laughs> seeing, because I think it was down towards us. We were uh, we were down near an end zone. We were on one end zone. He ran to the other one. He ran to the other one. Like yeah. it, it was like a 70-yard touchdown, but it took two seconds. <laughs> yeah, because I just remember him wide, wide open in the middle of the field, just gone. Yeah. I'm like, where is everyone? <laughs> yeah, if you took a drink, you missed that play. Like well, that guy is just fucking. Fa- and we did take drinks. Yeah, because <laughs> um, you were just like fuck. But that guy is fast. I think that with Ingram and your and at least for the first few games, 
uh, Kamara will be that guy. If I'm them, I don't want him between the tackles for 20 carries a game. Mm-hmm. So to your point, yeah, I'm thinking more stretch plays, more pitch plays. That's not to say he can't run between the tackles. But if he's the one guy I have and he's a little bit smaller, I don't want him banging around in there too much. I'm throwing screens, pitches, stretch plays, getting him out in the open field. Yeah, I think that's what they'll do. But I also, I mean, I just you, you if you watch the Saints for the last five years that he's been on the team, they don't like Ingram <laughs> for whatever reason. They there's don't al- seem to. There's always been these guys that have come in and, and have – diminished his role and at times just almost taken away his role they picked up Um, peterson last year after having him that must have pissed him off yeah um so i i do i honestly i i think that we'll kind of start to see ingram have less of a role this year compared to last year so um i think they they also resigned ben benjamin watson Mm -hmm. um he's he's a i mean he's an old tight end but he's very solid got good hands um, and he's got a rapport with Drew Brees, so I do like that. I, I mean, him and Colby Fleener just never had any sort of. God, Fleener was good. I drafted that dumbass. <laughs> so I, th- I think we'll, that'll that'll bode well for the offense. They did just release Brandon Coleman, uh, who has been a, a big, 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 big receiver for them for a while, like big physically. Mm-hmm. Um, he's he's a big red zone guy. Um, so that'll be interesting to see kind of what happens there. But they they have enough talent on and and that team in general they'll be they'll be fine. So plus that defense, we didn't I was talk about say, that. We love this offense, mm-hmm. but this defense might be even better. Yeah, this, the defense has improved quite a bit. I think they also drafted some defensive players again. So uh, they're they're, they're going to be good. They're going to be good. So um, it'll be interesting to see where the the year two leap of the defense kind of because that defense really came out of nowhere last mm-hmm. year. So where the 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 year two leap kind of goes, um, seeing if those defensive players kind of get more mature and 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 because they they were kind of chippy last year so yeah certainly and they need to wrap up yeah they do (laughs) if he wraps if he wraps up if he wraps up stefan diggs i think the saints win the super bowl i do too and i think he knows that so i definitely think that i and his name is escaping me but Mm -hmm. i think he'll be tough i think i like that defense this year Mm -hmm. i love the saints i i say saints panthers falcons bucks in this division in that order and i would put the saints in my final two for the for the NFC, I, I I put them in the NFC Championship this season. Do you disagree? I don't know. It'll be it'll be interesting to see what happens there <laughs> with uh, with with the overall NFC. Yeah, I think the only question mark is I think for me is just does that defense continue in year two? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I like them a lot from last year, but can it you know can it continue? Are they gonna did, did teams just overlook them this last year? You know whatever it might be. Because um, they they statistically had the worst defense in the league two years ago, mm-hmm. and so making that that jump is you know not always it, it can it can be kind of not always the the tell that you want. So sure. I definitely put them as as a top contender. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just don't know where I put them because you still got the Eagles, you still got the Rams, the Vikings. I think you can put up in that um, potentially even the Packers. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's hard. It's really hard to say at this point. NFC does excite me a lot this season. Um, I, I, I'm riding with the Saints, so I want as much Saints as I can get. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. To your point, uh, still a lot of question marks even on a great team. Don't sleep on Carolina. We didn't pick them in the top of this division, but I like them in that wild card race. Um, and, and who knows, maybe even get in the division if they can surprise the Saints a couple times. So, um, you know, the South, there it is. Um, you know, the AFC, interesting. Uh, the NFC, very exciting, I think. Um, and we'll be back next week. Uh, I think maybe we'll go to the East next week. We'll talk NFC and AFC East next week. Of course, this is the first of four 
um, uh, sports episodes where we'll we'll pick uh, one region of the U.S. and talk to AFC and NFC divisions in there. Of course, leading up to the kickoff for the 2018-2019 season, um, which begins on uh, Thursday, September 6th, is mm. going to be the kickoff game. Who's the first game? Uh, Falcons-Eagles. Falcons-Eagles. That should be a slobber knocker. Uh, that's some uh, that's some NFC South representation uh, in the uh, in the opening week, and, and we'll be talking Eagles next week when we get to the NFC East. So make sure you come back uh, for that edition of the sports section. Let's move sports. on. <laughs> yeah, we might have to get Lou in here at some point to talk about uh, who he likes. The hey, NFC, bitches. The NFC and the AFC. I bet he likes the Steelers. <laughs> All right, let's get on from it and move to TV. That's what she said. TV. So um, we, of course, are still a little ways out from the Emmys. Uh, Don't forget, as we get closer, Seth and I are going to be making our picks um, for the big show. I think it's on uh, September 16th. When is the big show? (laughs) The big show, indeed. I want to start with this piece of news. It dropped shortly after... Um, we recorded last week with Jared. Um, Coming out of the Netflix camp, uh, a big portion of our show last week, we talked about um, some of the allegations about some of the different guys in Hollywood, and Aziz did come up during our conversation last week with Jared. Uh, Netflix did come out and make a statement that when Aziz is ready to make more Master of None, they will... Uh, they will take it and they will put it up. Hmm. So they're they're seemingly coming out in support of Aziz and of Master of None, which I'm excited about because I love that show. Um, is this what? Do you, what's your? Do you have any sort of reaction to Netflix coming out and, and saying something like this? I I, I like it. Um, I think it's going to give the opportunity for Aziz to to make a statement if he wants to. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the thing is what he said. You know, it, interviews after he made the last season kind of sounded like he didn't really have anything planned. Mm -hmm. So maybe what's happened recently will give him the opportunity to do that and maybe, you know, tell a story about kind of what's happened to him and, Mm -hmm. you know, all that. But it seems like with Master of None, it's just really, you know, how he's feeling. And, you know, is there a story to tell? So, um, you know, if he decides to do that, great. You know, I'd like to hear kind of his side of the story and and what, you know, through that character. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely open to seeing more. So if, if Master of None Season 3 centers mostly on this story specifically, is that something you would like to see? I'd like to see it, just just to yeah. kind of see where, where where his mindset is and, and, you know, again, see his see his side of the story without telling that exact story, you yeah. know. Mm-hmm. And I think he would handle I, – I know that he takes this seriously and um, is remorseful um, mm-hmm. based on what I've seen and, and just having gotten – what however it is however much you can get to know a person through their art um i feel like i can tell that aziz is again remorseful and takes this seriously and i believe that he would handle it with some levity and respect both sides of it i don't think he would paint himself in some white knight light and try to absolve himself i think he would cover it in a way that's honest Mm -hmm. um and so i would be really interested to to see that for sure well kind of going off some netflix news and another uh show that's been uh, in some controversy, controversy with uh, some actors who have done some, or actor who's done some some kind of nasty things. Uh, of course, uh, House of Cards, its final season's coming up, and we finally, finally, finally got a release date. Oh. Uh, November 2nd is going to be the release date for House of Cards, the final season, which I think is season six? I think it is seven, six, yeah. six or seven. Um, the, the, I did kind of like, the, there was an uh, homage played with uh, the the picture they posted of it's Claire in the same kind of seat, you know how uh, 
the the first season poster had Kevin Spacey in the, the Lincoln? Lincoln chair. Yeah. They did that with with Claire, so that was kind of cool. Um, but I'm very excited for this show uh, to, to kind of see where how they wrap it up and and uh, explain everything with with Kevin Spacey too. So um, yes, so November second for the House of Cards fanatics such as myself. I know a lot of people are excited for Claire to kind of get her time in the spotlight. Claire. Um, and they were angling toward that anyway mm-hmm. from from the sounds of it. So we'll see how they handle Spacey. I'm definitely interested to see that. So November 2nd, uh, House of Cards new season coming out, of course, on Netflix. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Before that, um, in October, now this, this is sooner than I had anticipated, but we are going to get our Sabrina the Teenage Witch <laughs> dropping in October. I, it seems like just recently we were talking about that getting greenlit. Or announced. So Sabrina the Teenage Witch coming back. Um, sort of a little bit of a spinoff of the Riverdale Archie um, sort of comic series. Yeah, because they, they, I think originally in the comic series she was first introduced there. Yeah, I think that's true. And I don't know if she had a small arc on Riverdale before getting this sort of spinoff. Mm-hmm. But I know that uh, a lot of people are watching Riverdale on Netflix, so they must have seen that and wanted to grab onto the Sabrina thing. This could be interesting. Um I don't know that I'm really into Sabrina the Teenage Witch or whatever, but I, this is one of those things that if, if if I hear people are enjoying it, I might check it out for myself. But is this going on your list at the outset? No, Melissa Joan Hart's not in it. So, <laughs> um, c- going continuing with the Netflix theme, we got some news about the new Daredevil season. Uh, they have announced that it will premiere before 2019. So that means we'll actually be getting all four uh, Marvel Netflix series in the calendar year of 2018 this year. So, um, because we, we got Luke Cage early, or we got Jessica Jones early this year. Just a few months ago, we had Luke Cage. Iron Fist comes out in a couple months, maybe next month, and then we'll get Daredevil before. So it seems like they're trying to fit it all in before the whole Disney streaming service comes into play. Ah, oh, that makes sense. Now I, I was surprised to hear this about Daredevil because I hadn't heard that they were even working on season three, but now it's yep. dropping very soon. They announced it shortly after the last one came out. Oh, they so, did. Okay. Yep. Okay. Um, but also, kind of going to that the Disney thing, they did announce that there will be no R-rated content on the streaming service. Hmm. So I don't know how this will play in with the Marvel shows. Um, maybe they have struck a deal with Netflix to keep it on there. I don't know. <laughs> but Maybe they're going to water it all down and put it on. They the better game. not. That would suck. That yeah. would remove basically all of what's cool about it. <laughs> yeah, it, ish. Um, I mean, a lot of the storylines are mature. So it's because, uh, you know, drugs and, mm-hmm. you know, sex and violence and all that stuff. So and rock and roll. And you can't you can't put Jessica Jones on that. You could you could do it to all the other ones. You could you could water them down, especially like Iron Fist is already watered down. Mm-hmm. Um, but you could definitely water down Daredevil and you could mostly do it with Luke Cage. But Jessica Jones, you can't. She drinks and swears like a sailor. So <laughs> what, what worries me about hearing this and the potential for this idea it would be that um, this would now. I'm worried about it looking like every Marvel movie already looks, mm-hmm. just as a show, and that doesn't excite me. I think what's a lot of what's cool about these Marvel shows is that they are so different from what you see in the MCU. The yep. violence is more violent. Um, of course, like you said, the more adult storylines. I'm hoping that that's not what they're doing, but may, maybe a possibility. One uh, one thing that I watch that I want, I, I I need someone else to watch this and just tell me what the fuck because I on HBO this last weekend I streamed a new show called random acts of flyness <laughs> and i was trying to explain this to you before and i can't because it's this weird like variety show kind of um and it's by uh I, the name of the guy escapes me but he's black and most of the show is about blackness and so it might not appeal to everybody but i definitely wanted to check it out and 
It is so fucking weird. <laughs> it's very surreal, very fantastical. And again, it's a variety show. So there's like lots of different shit happening very quickly for like half an hour or so. And there's some weird, weird stuff in there. It reminded me like when it, it honestly kind of reminds me a little bit of uh, Sorry to Bother You, which we saw a couple weeks ago. Um, by the way, that ride home will be going up. If it's not already up, it'll be up very soon um, on the YouTube channel. At Jared Buckendall. <laughs> so it's it's that really just that fantastical, weird... Um, it's a little bit subversive in the way it talks about races and racism and, and different things like that and what it means to kind of be black. And it's... I'm going to go watch it again because I'm just so intrigued by it, but it is weird. So I need somebody out there to go to HBO and watch Random Acts of Flyness episode one and tweet me at underscore Cody Michael and just tell me what you think. Tell me if you think it's good and tell me if I should keep watching it because I don't know. It's so weird. <laughs> Uh-oh. Was that lightning or did you fart? That's thunder. Oh. It's still going. All right. Um, so speaking of weird, saw a weird news story today. Um, you know the song, Hey There, Delilah? <laughs> yeah. Hey there, Delilah, what's it like in New York City? Yeah. You want me to sing more? No, that's... that's... Oh, I, I just wanted to tell you about that, that I'm song. I'm with you. Oh, I do know this. No, and I'm just kidding. Um, we're we're going to link to it down below so you guys can have a look. No, what? <laughs> um, Plain White Tees, though, announced that they will be making a TV show based off that song. <laughs> I don't think that's as dumb as it sounds. Oh, I it's think that dumb. Could be, I think that could be cool. It's a long-distance relationship, right? And it's kind of sweet. Maybe like a, it'll probably have a little indie kind of hipstery feel. Uh, I don't hate this. I, 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 now, the idea of making a show out of a song does sound stupid, but because of the song that it is, uh, I think this could work. I don't know. Who's putting it out? I don't know. They just announced they're making a show. Huh. <laughs> I don't hate this. I, I, I get why you might think it's dumb, <sighs> but I, I don't hate it. I'm in. I hate that song. You hate that song? Yeah. I love that song. Do you it, hate it because it's overplayed? Did you hate it got, when you first heard it? I, I've listened to it because I, I listened to Pop 2K. Pop 2K. I'm serious. And they played all the, on on there all the time, too. I didn't like it when it came out. I don't like it now. Oh, I love that song, dude. Suck it, Plain White Tees. Every white guy who can play guitar and some black people who can play guitar can play that song. <laughs> Cause, well, one, because it's just an easy song to play on guitar, but also it's just a fun one. I don't know. Yeah, I pass, please. <laughs> I'll watch it. I'll watch it. In another pass, uh, they announced the casting for Batwoman in the CW show. Fucking Ruby Rose is going to play Batman. Oh, Bat- my God. Are you serious? <laughs> the least charismatic woman I've ever seen, other than Kristen Stewart. Uh <laughs> Ruby Rose. What? Yeah. Why? So one, I, 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 I was thinking that too. Why does Ruby Rose keep getting work? Do you know? Well, here's the thing is one, why in the fact that that casting doesn't make any sense at all. But two, she has done some pretty big things. And for her to star in a CW show is really weird to me. I think uh, Grayson said, look, you can't keep counting on this money train <laughs> because you don't have talent. You need yeah. to go to the seat. I think that's what happened. Probably. But yeah, that 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 was just weird to me seeing her casting. So uh, was she on Orange Is the New Black for a brief time? Yeah, that's where she got kind of got. She was a DJ, and then that was like one of her first. That was her big thing that kind of broke her out. Which she was fine in that, but she was just very just like, uh, you know, like kind of Kristen Stewart esque. You know, just wasn't very, her thing uh, kind of? Wasn't she like sexy to Piper? Wasn't yeah, that her thing? Okay. Yeah, they they had a thing for a bit. Yeah, but yeah, I just thought that was weird. Um, I, I I agree with you. I hate that casting. I wasn't gonna watch that show anyway, but certainly. Don't sign me up now. Um, I'll still watch it because it's in the CW universe. <laughs> um, which, to, to be fair, not a lot of great acting in the CW verse. So yeah, that's not really why you go. You go for the comic book yeah. shit to happen. So I get it. But um, I don't know. Have you been keeping up in the latest American Horror Story? 
Not a ton. I, I see, I've seen a couple bits of casting news, but I don't really Isn't know. Isn't the new season on already or no? No, it doesn't come out until September or October. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, because they just announced that season 10 has already been renewed. So. Oh, yeah. I believe so I, I thought it was already on for some reason. No, nah, yeah. FX loves uh, American Horror Story. It's probably, I don't even know if season 10, would, I, I think that might be one beyond, well, it's obviously one beyond this. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, certainly more more to come. I think they might put one out this spring is what I, I heard. They might start putting them out more double, often. Double, double yeah. up. Um, we'll see. I am excited for the new season. Of course, going to be a crossover between some prior seasons, something they've never done before. Um, but I do always try to keep up with that one when it does come out. So I'll be checking that one out when it does. Um couple last bits of news here. Uh, one one kind of talking about maybe crossover, but or just its own thing. Uh, Pat, Patrick Stewart announced that he will be reprising his role as Jean-Luc Picard. And Did you hear all the Trekkie pants just drop yeah. across the world when you said that? <laughs> Which, of course, he played Jean-Luc Picard in uh, Star Trek The Next Generation from the late 80s to late 90s. Um, one of, Probably the role that he's most well-known for. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, he... He's, he's coming back for the CBS All Access. So in the past, he's been pretty adamant about never returning to Star Trek after the last movie he did. But, uh, yeah, he's, he's open to doing it, and he's it's going to be a central, uh, a central story around him. So um, something – I don't want to buy the CBS Access app, but I might – if I get a free trial or something, I might check it out because that's the only Star Trek I've ever really watched. Mm-hmm. I've heard good things about the Discovery series. Now, is this going to be on top of that, or will he be on the Discovery? No, it's series? his own. It's his own thing. It's a whole new one. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, I do like this. I, I like the idea of exploring Star Trek more, um, and I I don't have the patience to watch the old stuff because of the effects. Mm-hmm. Um, but this new stuff, I do want to check out. I do want to watch Discovery, and and I would like to check out Jean Luc Picard. Um, he he is one of the one of the franchise favorites. I, I know for for a lot of folks. So yeah, this is exciting. I lo- I mean, I just love that he's doing it too. I like Patrick Stewart, and so it's exciting to see him go back to that. Patrick Stewart money. <laughs> All right. Up the means. <laughs> One last bit of news before we get into our turning segment, a long, a long miss segment. So, uh, of course, one of my favorite book series we talked about consistently is Orphan X, mm-hmm. right? And it, we, I mentioned it, you know, when we first started the show that that had been uh, in in talks for a movie, and Bradley Cooper is starring it. Warner Brothers own the rights. Well, the because nothing had been made, the rights had been up, put up for sale again. And they have now been repurchased by a different production company, um, and they are going to be adapting it for television. So Orphan okay. X will be de- developed will be developed for television, um, being it's co-written by the the author. So Greg Hurwitz is his name. He's going to be involved heavily. He's also he's written some some pretty big movies, and so he's he's a big screenwriter. So huh. um, he's he's pretty accomplished, knows what he's doing. And uh, something that doesn't give me as much faith, but could be cool action-wise, uh, Justin Lin, who, who's done some of the Fast and the Furious stuff, okay, uh, is going to be involved in this as well. So I definitely have a lot of hope that it's going to TV. Uh, it's, hopefully it goes to like a Netflix, Hulu, Amazon, uh, especially like Amazon. They're doing the, the Jack Ryan stuff right now. Yep, yep. Um, it's another Orphan X, the, the series is, is definitely a big one right now. It has a lot of really cool action in the book. And I, it'd be it'd be cool to see it on on one of these streaming platforms that could tell a long overarching story. If it goes to a network, I'm really afraid it's going to go the route of a serial type thing because the story does lend itself to be like a, a villain of the week. Okay. You could do that. It's not that's not how the book is, but you could definitely do that because what his thing is is he you know he he's called the Nowhere Man and people call him to have protection. 
Okay. And so people could call him every week and be like, I need protection from this dude. And then he goes saves them and then kind of still involved over overarching story. But it would make way more sense and be way cooler on a Netflix or Hulu or Amazon where they could do just an overall arcing story but throw in little things where sure. people call him, you know. So if it's done right, which the author being involved, it should be done right. It could be a really, really cool streaming. Other than other than Justin Lin on this, which I know doesn't get you super hard, mm-hmm. but long-form television, mm-hmm. the author stays involved. This mm-hmm. has got to be exciting for you. Oh, yeah, I'm pumped. And I, I think Justin Lin will, being involved is a good thing in terms of the action. Mm-hmm. We'll get to see some cool action in it. And cause the, he's not a great storyteller, but he's definitely good at showing some cool action. So yeah. um, because he's not the showrunner for it and not completely in charge of it all and they still have the author involved, that gives me more hope. This could be cool. I, I kind of mm-hmm. want to check this out. Um, I may even, this is an audiobook that you've recommended. So, uh, folks, if you're looking for a reason to get on audibletrial.com slash SoCo, uh, let this be it. Get on there and get your 30 days and uh, maybe the first in the Orphan X series for free. <laughs> well, with that, that's all of our TV news. And I, we always make them wait till the end, but let's give the people what they want and get back into the TV corner. That's a my TV corner. Seth, I want to blow you. Woo! Woo! Two weeks without that, out that sounder, I was missing it. I know. I, no one wanted to blow me for two weeks. <laughs> Just two weeks. <laughs> anyway, what are we listening? <laughs> what do you got for us this week? We're listening to. <laughs> <laughs> We're listening to you talk about something. Yeah. Uh, well, we've kind of brought it up a couple times now. Orange is the New Black um, had its sixth season premiere on Netflix a couple weeks back now. It'll be two weeks ago as of this airing, and. Uh, I finished it. Yay. Woo. Yeah, you did it. <laughs> um, so kind of where this picks up right after the last season, there was a riot at the prison. Uh, some crazy shit went down. Some some big characters died. Okay. Say something about spoilers. Hey, fuckers. <laughs> Minor spoilers ahead. Uh, Piscatella, he's a, this big security guard villain, was killed. And so... The reason I say spoilers here is because that's a lot of what the season revolves around. So mm-hmm. um, you're going to find this out anyway. So, uh, of course, so basically what happens, the first few episodes, they all of the main characters, most of the main characters, go to the maximum security portion of Litchfield, which they, they've been in minimum security. Now they're in maximum security, which is separated by these blocks, A, A through, I think all the show is A through D on here. Maybe F. I can't remember. Um, it, so they're based. They're all. They're all in maximum security prison. The first few episodes focuses on kind of the aftermath of the you know the, the deaths the last season and uh, figuring out what happened during the riots. So the first probably two or three episodes focus on each of these characters being pulled into a room and being interrogated, getting their side of the story. There's some there's some backstabbing and some lies kind of going on in there and stuff, which is kind of cool, but kind of slow too. So it didn't start off the hottest for me. Um, of course, you get all your characters back. You got Piper, um, who is the the main, who was kind of started off as the main character, and now it's kind of the the show as a whole has been more of an ensemble recently. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, you got uh, Laura Prepod as Alex Foss comes back. You got your your Tasties and your Suzannes. Um, which sounds weird to say. Um, Cindy is a big main character this season. Um, Flocka is a big character this season. There's some weird fucking Waka, people. Waka Flocka? Flocka. Oh, just Flocka. Yeah. Flocka. <laughs> um, you also get introduced to some new characters that are in Max. The The main villains this season are, there's, there's this uh, sister, these sisters named Barb, Barb and Carol. I think it's Barb, Barb. I'm pretty sure it's Barb. Barb and Carol. There's justice these, for Barb. <laughs> 
they're they're these sisters who have been put in max for a very long time for doing some dastardly deeds mm-hmm. and they kind of run the block so they're w- once they get out of the interrogation everyone's separated and goes into the to this cell blocks and there's c block and d block that's where barb and carol are are separated into and they have their own gangs and groups and stuff and then there's uh they call it florida block which is where like all the old people and crazy people go and it's like a very happy it's like a neutral block so c and d block are like this rivaling rivaling blocks uh, run by barb and carol and then florida is like this happy place so from after they get out and are separated that's where you kind of get more way more into the the whole block thing and kind of like this gang gang wars and people like a lot of the characters aligning in different areas and again there's a little bit more backstabbing and kind of uh, almost like chess matches kind of with the with these these groups so kind of going to some positives and negatives i i definitely liked a, a lot of the subplots uh I, I really liked i liked piper's subplot a lot of people have really not liked her in the last few seasons i've come i've come to enjoy her more uh, as 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 I think last season and this season have gone on, she's been she's harassed by this character named Badison, who is just like this awful awful villain of a character. Is that bad, Madison? Yeah, <laughs> she. Uh, God, I hate I hated her so much. Um, it just just like the type of person she is. It's just like, ugh, God, I want I just want her to go away. Um. So I, I did like that. She's being harassed, and she's you know Piper has mentioned she has she has a little, only nine months left on her time, so she wants to be you know kind of keep quiet. She wants to do good things in the prison while she's while she's left, and she doesn't she just wants to keep her nose clean. Uh, so that that was an interesting subplot. I really liked uh, Tasty's subplot. Uh, her and and the former ward, Mister Caputo, have a really interesting relationship this season, and I I actually I liked his I liked his and her subplot. Um, with the whole trial tasty's involved in this trial the whole season uh with the death of caputo so people are kind of uh, positioning their their testimonies in different ways to really it really dives a lot into like the legal system and how prisoners are treated and how lawyers kind of scheme their way into things so that that was kind of interesting and then there's a couple other subplots i like i mentioned caputo he has a whole other side plot with this this woman that he's detested for many years on the show now um they they kind of go more into that relationship which is cool and then uh natasha leone's character nichols i I just have loved she's always been my favorite character i love that actress yeah natasha leone is awesome and her her character is i've again just always loved it she's kind of been a junkie over the years and and then cleaned up and then been a junkie and cleaned up and she's just very funny and she's able to talk her way out of everything she's very dialogue heavy and so she she's just always fun to watch and i enjoy watching her so th- there are actually a lot of really interesting subplots this season. I do think though that this this season, for me, um, the like the negatives, the the flow of the show is is kind of difficult to difficult to continuously stay interested in sometimes because they have so many subplots. They don't always have them all in every episode, mm-hmm. so it's just like, oh, where'd that person go? Where'd this person go? There's episodes where some of the characters aren't in it for like three episodes, and they find they pop in. Um, so it's hard to kind of keep a consistent flow with it. And I did think that there were some characters that have been in the last seasons as like real, you know, spotlights of of the show. And they just were in it for like five seconds, it seemed like. Um, the, the big example here is Laverne Cox character. I can't remember her character's name, 
because she was barely in the season. <laughs> but she's she's the the uh, trans actress who has won a bunch of awards and stuff. Do you know what I'm talking about? I she's she's been um, she's been you would know her if you saw her. Yeah, her name her the character's name is escaping me, but um, you would definitely know her if you saw her. She uh, what's the name again? Laverne Cox is the actress. But she she's had some real she's had some like really big plot points in the show, and this season she was in it for a total of maybe ten minutes, um, and and like they they kind of wrapped up her story at the end of the season, but without having her in the season, which hmm. is weird, you know. They're they're kind of relying on on people, you know, of course, watching the show and being really invested. But if you're not super invested in it, you're going to be like, what, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so. Uh, that that kind of felt weird to me. Um, I, I understand. And too, the the other thing that kind of made me a little less interested this season is just it, there's only so many places you can go with this show. And you know they kind of went a drastic route last season with with the whole riot thing and putting them in Max and kind of separating everyone. That I, I I see what they're trying to do with giving each group of characters a different story and different people to interact with. But I think one of the things that the show really worked with the best was having the characters interact with each other that you know, you know, um, with like kind of Tasty and her group and Piper and her group and Red and her group. And those those are the things that I really like the most. And yes, getting different groups of characters to interact is, you know, it freshens it up a little bit. I was just missing some of the some of what made the show entertaining for me and some mm-hmm. of the, the different intera- interactions. And when you got some of those people in, in, you know, very short moments, it was, it was, you know, I wanted more of it, you know? So it just, it just didn't hit with me as much as some of the past seasons did. So the soft, maybe like a soft reboot is kind of, kind of, kind of how, you know, kind of a repilot, but it didn't work for you as much as the old, I don't know what, um, I don't know what other direction they could have gone other than extending the riot or, mm-hmm. or keeping them together in a, I mean, it's realistic for them to have been split up, but mm-hmm. I don't know. Is there any way you wish they would have gone? Uh, I just wish they would have maybe grouped, grouped some of the characters differently, mm-hmm. at least had more of more similarities, um, from the prior seasons, but um, they they kind of made some drastic changes with some of the characters too in terms of their their personality. Some things I didn't like spe- specifically, like Red. I didn't like her character at all the season, but she's been one of my fa- favorites since the beginning. So, did I think they just made too many changes? Like like you said, kind of almost like a soft reboot in a way. Mm-hmm. But uh, it does it does sound like the the, the show at least with uh, Taylor Schilling who plays Piper, her kind of arc is coming to an end. It sounds like so um, with some interviews she's done so. Well, that remains to be seen kind of where the show goes from here. That being said, uh, in terms of a rating, this season, season six, Orange is the New Black, I would give it uh, 3.9 toothbra- toothbrush shanks out of five. <laughs> 3.9 out of five. A toothbrush toothbrush shank. I can't even say it. <laughs> it's hard to say. <laughs> 3.9 out of five. So it does top uh, some, some of the things that we've seen. Um, but not your favorite amongst uh, the seasons of Orange is the New Black. But I'm sure that you'll continue to stay with it, and, and especially yeah. as they get toward the end of maybe um, Piper's story. Yeah, it's still it's still been it's still entertaining, and it, there's still a lot that I enjoy of it. Um, not nothing I'm because they have been pretty consistent. I think the one thing that they've done really well is build these characters, and and they've done really well with the character development. Other than kind of some some of the characters changing a little bit too much in ways that doesn't make sense, like Red, like I mentioned, mm-hmm. but. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the, none none of the seasons have been bad. I never I I enjoyed my time watching the show, and and I even thought about it. Like the last two episodes of the season were really really good, and I every time a season of the show ends, 
the last few episodes are awesome. And I'm like, oh, man, I want more. Yeah. You know, but it's just like those that middle of the show. Um, and even like this season, the first three, three or four episodes, I just kind of was like, come on, let's get to it. Yeah. And I haven't felt like that watching the show. So it's still it's still very entertaining. I still like I still love the, a lot of the characters in the show. It's just not something I, I look forward to watching like the, after the first couple seasons. I, I felt about that way, at least in the first couple seasons. So Law of Diminishing Returns does apply to Orange is a New Black this week in the TV corner. That's in my TV corner. Seth, I want to blow you. Woo! All right, hot off the heels of yet another fantastic edition of the TV Corner, let's move into movies. Quiet on the set. Can we please have quiet on the set? Movies. So uh, we've seen a lot of movies in the last (laughs) week or so, and we're going to give some reviews of each of them. But before that, let's get to a little bit of news. Uh, We'll start here. We did talk uh, last week about... James Gunn and the Guardians of the Galaxy. He was, of course, canned from uh, the director's chair. Um, It doesn't look like he will be re-signed, but his script is still in play. He did, of course, uh, write and and submit a draft for the script. And apparently Dave Bautista, who I I think has maybe been the most outspoken Mm -hmm. of the cast members, has come out and said that if they don't use James Gunn's script, he's going to quit as Drax and they're going to have him have him recast. Now, he's the only one who has said this. No one else is, is quite backing him up yet. What do you think about Batista potentially quitting? Yeah, I, I believe him when he says it, uh, knowing him from the wrestling world. Uh, he's very much a... He's an outspoken person. Um, he, he definitely had a history uh, in wrestling of when he wasn't getting his way, he would... Or not, not, not agreeing with some of the things that were happening, he would step out and he would, you know, talk bring it to public light and eventually he he left um wwe because he you know they they weren't giving him what he what he was wanting or felt like he was deserved of so i believe him when he says this and you know if it does come to con you know contract disputes where he's not fulfilling it and he has to go to court for it i I believe he'll stand behind it so um we'll see whether he gets his way or not that's another another story but i believe him when he when he's saying that he you know won't do it yeah i think that um they're either going to use the script or not. It does not. I don't think Disney cares about Batista. Mm-hmm. Um, if they need to recast Drax, I'm sure there's a line a million guys long of people that would do just as fine a job as he has done so far. Disney does not fucking care. So I, I, I don't know. If he thinks that he's going to influence them in any way, he's stupid. I think Disney is way too big a machine for one man to slow it down. So I, I, I don't see this happening at all. Um, now that's not to say he won't quit if they mm-hmm. decide to go with another script and he quits fine. I just, I just don't think it matters at all. I think he's inconsequential and any one of these people is inconsequential mm-hmm. to the larger picture. And I don't know if he understands that. I think he understands that. I think he's just standing by someone he's, he's friends with, <laughs> you know, um, I, I don't think he's thinks he's going to change anything one way or another. So I, I think he'd be more delusional if he was like, James Gunn needs to come back or I'll quit. Mm-hmm. Um, when it's something he just wants, I think when it, in, in his point, he wants his friend's work to be recognized and he already wrote the script, you know? So, um, you know, if it, and th- th- it's, it's not that he's, it's not that he's saying use us or I'm done. He's saying, I mean, he is in a way, but he's also saying like, it's your choice, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. use us or I, I don't, I don't want to be a part of this. So, yeah, we shall see. Um, who knows? I mean, Marvel's got kind of a mess on their hands. They've 
or not Marvel, but Disney. There mm-hmm. apparently are some other Disney and Marvel people who have made some tweets in the past. Of course, you have Robert, Robert Downey Jr. He's got himself a checkered past and no issues with him. So there's been a lot said this week about the hypocrisy of Disney and firing him. I don't really know where I come in on all of this, but I, I, I will say a, a sort of bright piece of news for Disney and for Marvel is this past weekend, Black Panther, which is still in fucking theaters in some places, uh, has gone over $700 million in the domestic box office, which is pretty insane. Only, th- I think, three or four movies now. Black Panther's either the third or fourth movie to have done that ever mm-hmm. in the domestic box office. So Third movie. It is uh, one of the biggest movies ever, especially just in the U.S. Um, crazy that it's still playing. I imagine they'll wrap it up here soon. Uh, now that they've hit that milestone, but a pretty big accomplishment for Black Panther. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the third movie. I think it's Titanic, Avatar, and then this to do that. So, uh, yeah, I mean, at this point, they they're they're keeping it in theaters so it can get as get get as many records as it can. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure it's playing like the theaters it's playing are like you know five dollar stuff like that. You know, um, but it's still cool. I mean, it's a cool cool thing to see, um, especially too that like. I know, especially with Titanic, they had to re- they released it in theaters like some twenty six times or something like that, like yeah, an incredible amount of times. Whereas Black Panther is, is still technically on its first run, mm-hmm. so just that alone is pretty cool. So, yeah, it's pretty wild. Uh, you know, we've talked a lot about Black Panther and its success over the past handful of months. Uh, so this probably, I would imagine, this will be the last big milestone that it hits before they kind of wrap it up. It is coming out on uh, Blu Ray pretty soon if it has it's been out for like two months okay well, it's been out on Blu-ray <laughs> for a long time but people are still going in theaters i questionable but um but cool yeah that's a, a big a big uh, milestone for for marvel and, and black panther so uh and one that i'm excited about i do of course have a personal connection to the movie so uh, i was excited to see that it crossed over and they got uh something like 35 of my dollars so part of a record <laughs> <laughs> Uh, speaking of MCU, we, uh, there was some news about casting for the Spider-Man sequel, Far From Home. Uh, they announced that both Sam Jackson and Colby Smulders, who are uh, Nick Fury and Maria Hill, respectively, uh, will be in Spider-Man Far From Home. So we both know that they are not going to be dust. I I really wish they would quit doing this. <laughs> because there are, as we found out, there are people who haven't seen fucking Infinity War yet. Or that have seen it and and would like to live in a world where that mattered. <laughs> you know, I just, I, I don't know, this is frustrating. I've always been frustrated with the MCU news coming out so far ahead. This is one that actually, like, come on. Like, can we fucking quit doing this? Like, I don't know. It's just keep, keep tighter lip. Find a way for this stuff not to get out. I don't know if they put it out themselves or if it was leaked or whatever. But, like... I think they put we, it out. I really just wish we could live in a world where everyone thought that what happens in Infinity War mattered. Mm-hmm. I just wish we could live in that world. That's my reaction to this news. Cool that they'll be in it. That'll be a good movie. Sticking in the world of superheroes, uh, we had, DC announced a new standalone movie. Supergirl is in the works. Really? Uh, with the writers from tw- or the writer from 21 Jump Street and 22 oh, Jump gosh. Street. Okay. So uh, going with a little bit more of a lighter tone, it seems like. We don't know who's going to be cast in it, of course, yet. It just got announced, but... Um, in a world where people have been clamoring for Man of Steel 2, they get Supergirl. So <laughs> um, I think it's cool, though. Uh, definitely more, definitely on board for more of these, uh, you know, the female-led ones, the heroes don't, that don't get, a, you know, many, 
many opportunities to be on the screen like that. Mm-hmm. I think it's pretty cool. People love the the CW CW show, um, and there's plenty of story to tell, especially like with with Supergirl. I mean, she does have a deep, she does have a deep, uh, somewhat deep uh, comic book history, and I think you can still. I think Superman's kind of going to be relegated to more of a. a supporting role in these mm-hmm. movies it sounds like he's going to be in shazam it sounds like he's going to be in this um so he could pop in and out and i, I kind of like them in, in that role eventually building up to another movie of his own i mean we'll see about supergirl but what's clear to me here with the hiring of of that uh that writer they they want to get fun again dc wants to get fun again mm-hmm. I, I think they want to start steering away and we've seen this with aquaman we, we're seeing it with shazam mm-hmm. um wonder woman i think they they are realizing the error in their ways with Man of Steel and BVS and mm-hmm. a little bit uh, of Justice League. So I think we'll start to see more fun DC movies, which I'm open to. Um, I don't really care about Supergirl, but if it looks like it's a fun movie that I can be happy about when I leave instead of being depressed when I leave, then I'll go see it. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of Superman, Henry, Henry Cavill, uh, he was in the most recent Mission Impossible movie. You're goddamn right he was. <laughs> And uh, we got some word on Mission Impossible 7. The studio who did that asked uh, Christopher, Christopher McQuarrie to return as the director for Mission Impossible 7. So yes. already already in talks, uh, just been out for a couple of weeks, but already in talks for the next one. Of course, you know Tom Cruise is always down to do another, as are probably all the other people. Uh, this is the highest grossing for the first two weekends of the Mission Impossible movies as well, um, which is pretty crazy for a sixth movie to do that. But, uh, yeah, so it sounds like we'll be getting more and probably not uh, – not too long of a wait, I'm assuming. Yeah, no surprise here. Uh, I am very excited that it's Macquarie again. Of course, he was the first to do two um, of the Mission Impossible series, the only director to repeat. He'll now have a trilogy. Um, and I think that, you know, if they can come back with another really good one, um, he, I mean, this could be the, the these, probably these three movies are going to go on to define the trilogy as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I'm very excited. I, I really enjoy what he's done so far, not only with the stories, um, but with the action, the mechanics, the way he shoots, um, I really like his style and I think it suits MI really well. Uh, we'll see. Uh, hopefully this comes out soon. Um, but of course I want him to take the time to make it a good movie. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this is exciting. I, I, I'm in no way surprised by this. Um, but I am very pleased. You know what they should start doing is just like banking Tom Cruise action shots before <laughs> he gets too old. They just start doing it like, uh, like <laughs> Stanley cameos. Yeah. <laughs> They just have like hours and hours of Tom Cruise jumping off planes and falling off stuff uh, just to make sure they have enough for like Mission Impossible 12. Well, again, speaking of Mission Impossible, one movie that that's one movie you couldn't see through MoviePass the last few weekends. Um, Of course, there's been a lot of MoviePass news recently, but it sounds like we're we're kind of at at an official uh, place here for now with MoviePass. They have adjusted their plan uh they are at now going to still be 9.95 a month there was rumors of going to 15 dollars uh the only limiting factor they have at this point is that it's three movies a month now mm-hmm. still at 9.95 um i they're actually just signed the there was a they today they released the official thing and then or yesterday they released the official thing and today uh, movie pass users who continue to want to have the service um, if you go into the app and hit accept, you are now enrolled in that plan um, as opposed to sticking into the old plan, which has surge pricing and limited screens and ticket verification, all that crap. So no more ticket verification, no more surge pricing. Um, st- they still kind of were wishy-washy about the the new release, what, what you can see for new releases and not, um, but they said that that will be 
cut to a minimum now. So, um, yeah, thoughts on the the new movie pass? Yeah, so I'm I'm probably gonna bail on Movie Pass um, as soon as I can. I need to find a suitable. Right now, AMC is not really. It's not the good theater in our town, so I don't really want to do that. But. And also, yeah, I was doing the math. And this kind of just our our thing here, but the most you'll ever pay for a movie at our AMC, uh, which is a classic, is eight dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, that would mean you have to go to three movies there to to save the money with it. Sure. Um, at the rate the movies are coming out right now, that probably wouldn't save money again until maybe December. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so for us, it doesn't make sense to go to something different. You know. Yeah, and I think um, yeah, it, it as soon as I find a better option, I will go to that. Um, and it's looking like that's a more attainable bar now. Like if um, yeah, with, with AMC Stubbs uh, a or AMC uh, A list, I think that what's nice about that is being able to book ahead of time. I've heard some really good things about the the way their app works. Mm-hmm. Um, it sounds like it's a really good experience, and being able to to do. Um, uh, e-ticketing and paying ahead of time and doing reservations rather than some of the limitations with MoviePass. Those those are the things that bother me about MoviePass more than blacking out certain movies and surge pricing. Like, the inability to book ahead of time. Because, like, for us, like, a, a lot of the times with Infinity War, with Ant-Man, uh, actually not with Ant-Man, but with Infinity War, Mission Impossible, I'm pretty sure we did with Black Panther, um, Ready Player One, we had to pay out of pocket for our tickets because we needed to order them ahead of time before they would sell out. Mm-hmm. And that that more is where MoviePass bothers me than with some of the other stuff. I can live with a lot of that. But to have the ability to reserve tickets ahead of time, that that is the thing. As soon as I can, as soon as it's, it's, it's logical and reasonable for me to get another service that does allow that, that's when I'll be jumping ship. Um, so, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I'm eager to get off of MoviePass, but I'm not going to do it until I have another option. Right. And we'll see. I mean, the, this the the I think the three movie limit is is pretty. I mean, it's it's a logical move for them, mm-hmm. and I think it's I think it will help because they. I mean, they did mention that the average user of MoviePass does see about three movies a month, so it won't affect a lot of a lot of people. Um, I hope that maybe they can use this as maybe as a kind of reset where they can kind of you know get back to a place where they're making some profits and people. You know, I'm sure a lot of people jump ship, so uh, they can, you know, start to kind of build some profits back up and maybe take some of the feedback and implement it, you know, get people to start working with them in terms of e-ticketing. That's my hope. Do I do I think it's going to happen? Probably not. <laughs> um, but <laughs> but I, I'm, I'm hopeful that some of these changes, which, you know, still benefit me right now are and, and they did say, too, that um, past the three the the three movies, if you do use their app to buy, pay for tickets, it's gonna you still save money. They're gonna do discounted tickets. I think up to five dollars uh, per ticket. So yeah, and and really, you know, a lot of there's been a lot of reactions. Um, I myself have had some re- instant reactions that were pretty excited, but like they are people are still saving money mm-hmm. with Movie Pass, and it still makes sense for the individual consumer to use if on a case by case basis it makes sense for you. So mm-hmm. I don't think everyone should be super eager to jump ship, but everyone should be looking for other options. Right. Um, one other thing I want to touch on, and it's going to lead into some of our reviews. Um, A24 and Netflix are now um, have increased their relationship. They're, they were already sharing a little bit, but um, a lot more A24 movies are now available on Netflix as mm-hmm. of the beginning of August. Um, a lot of really good stuff. We watched a, I watched a couple of them over this past weekend. 
Um, and I know like uh, Locke starring uh, Tom Hardy is mm-hmm. one that I've heard a lot of people get excited about. Um, Enemy with Jake Gyllenhaal. Um, I know there's there's one um, Life After Beth, which is Dane DeHaan and Aubrey Plaza, and she is a, his ex girlfriend that comes back from the dead. Um, oh yeah. And uh, there's some other A24 stuff, including uh, one that I watched over this past weekend, Ex Machina, which uh, came out a couple years ago. Uh, won a few Oscars, including Alicia Vikander for Best Actress. Um, it might have been Best Supporting, but she did win an Academy Award for that movie. And I'm here to tell you, it is fucking awesome. Um, really, really good, especially if you're into the whole AI um, sort of future potential robot stuff. Um, very, very good. Um, I thought the performances in this were great. Oscar Isaac snuck up on me as um, he's sort of this rich CEO kind of strange guy. Uh, Donald Gleason and... Uh, Alicia Vikander are the entire cast. So um, I thought this was done very, very well. Um, with, a, with a relatively small budget, they were able to do a lot of really great things with effects, especially around Alicia Vikander's uh, robot character. So this is a fantastic movie. I don't want to say really too much about it other than go watch it. It is available on Netflix now, and, and it, it's a very, very, very good one. So that was directed by, is that Ava DuVernay? Um, no, it's not her. Um, is it directed by the same person who did Annihilation. I think it was Alex Garland, yeah. Yeah, the guy, I remember that, okay, I, for whatever reason I get that name mixed up with it. But yeah, um, does it, so you've seen both now. Mm-hmm. Um, does it have any sort of, does it have like a similar feel at all? Not so much. I, I think that, that, I think what both of them do is they take their time. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not trying to rush you through a bunch of action. They let things develop, uh, you know, relatively slowly over time. So, and that, and that's, I think, across all of A24, it's, that seems to be the case. Okay. Um, kind of slow moving, even though there is action in it and it keeps you intrigued the whole time, they're mm-hmm. not rushing. I think that would be the thing I would highlight. If anything, I would say watching Ex Machina really reminded me a lot of watching an episode of Black Mirror. Okay. Not just because of the subject matter, but just kind of the look and feel of what's on screen reminded me a lot of that show. And they do a really good job. That's not a slight just because it's TV. Like, mm-hmm. both are very excellent. Um, so it did kind of remind me of Black uh, of Black Mirror, um, maybe a little bit of of uh, of that signature of Alex Garland's style. Um, you can kind of see back and forth, but I would say the main thing is just the pacing. Okay. Um, another one that I did see, not an A twenty four movie, but I did. I watched The Informant <laughs> um, on Netflix as well. It stars Matt Damon. Uh, it's a Steven Soderbergh Matt film. Matt Damon. And it's a kind of a white collar crime movie about a. Um, an executive, and it's a true story based on a true story of an executive for a uh, sort of an agribusiness who um, uh, acts as a whistleblower for the FBI and helps him expose a, a controversy and some illegal activity going on within his company. Um, I will say, because it's Soderbergh, there are, um, you know, you're used to seeing him, Ocean's Eleven, Logan Lucky, that kind of stuff. Um, where you'll see Soderbergh in this is as as you get toward the end of the movie and things start to reveal themselves, you can kind of feel that's what he does really well <laughs> is he he will the the plot not not plot twists, but reveals, mm-hmm. I think, are something he does really well. And, and he he does a really good job of concealing things until you absolutely need to know them. And so I really appreciated that. Matt Damon is really good in this um, for Matt Damon to be Damon. like unattractive and boring. Um, I think is is a feat, uh, just because I mean he's fucking Matt Damon. Matt Damon. So, <laughs> so I really liked the informant. It moves a little bit slowly, but it is very interesting, especially if you're into to crime and um, sort of money. There's a little bit of espionage in this. It's set in the early '90s, so it's a little bit of a, a period piece by now. But uh, came out in '09, so it's a little bit older. 
Um, but yeah, it's a good one available on Netflix as well. Uh, so I'd give that one a recommend. So Ex Machina and Informant. And then also the third movie uh, that I watched on Sunday. I had a big movie day on Sunday. And you watched this third one with me. It was mm. Her. Her. So that's Joaquin Phoenix, uh, the voice of Scarlett Johansson. Amy Adams is in this one. And uh, it's Spike Jones. Uh, this who? one got a, this one, <laughs> who Spike Jones? <laughs> this one got nominated a bunch uh, when it came out a few years ago. I mm-hmm. know I liked it a lot, but I've been talking for a couple minutes. So t- t- tell the folks what you thought of her. Well, I'm about ready to talk for a while too. <laughs> um, I, I I enjoyed it. This is one that I wanted to see that year. I think it's mm-hmm. 2013. 13 or 14, maybe. Yeah, I think it came out in 13 and was nominated in 14 uh, for the Oscars. It was one I was really intrigued by, but it never came around here. And uh, by the time it came out in video it was past the past the uh the oscar so i kind of lost interest but mm. um kind of disappointed I, I missed it at the time I, I really did enjoy it i thought joaquin phoenix was was he's such he's really good at transforming himself for mm-hmm. whatever role he's in he's he he's really a just a method dude but yeah i, I liked him a lot as, as scarlett johansson just you know her voice acting and is, is pretty incredible um amy adams is just plays this weird you know, type character. She she's also pretty good at changing who she is. Mm-hmm. Um, seeing her in this, and then like I'm also watching Sar- Sharp Objects right now, which is an amazing show. But she, uh, her her character in that compared to to her compared to like Arrival, which is just so different. Um, Nocturnal Animals is another. You know, she she's really good at kind of just deep deep diving into a role and, and changing that character up. So, um, yeah, she. The, the, I thought it was a really enjoyable movie, and and weirdly had kind of like some like really deep moments, but mm-hmm. also some kind of heartwarming warming moments too. Um, for someone who is, falls in love with a voice, <laughs> it's yeah. a computer. It's pretty cool. So It really is. And Amy Adams, similar to what I said about Matt Damon ago, she, she's yeah, relatively Damon. unattractive in this. And, yeah. You know, and that's a feat for Amy Adams because, mm-hmm. you know, she can get it. Um, but I think, yeah, you're right. What this movie does well is it there are moments of extreme emotion and extreme high-mindedness, but then there are also little silly things, little moments of levity along the way mm-hmm. um, that keep things moving and keep you relaxed. So I really enjoyed this. I thought the world build was really good here. Um, it, it's it's a not-too-distant future with some of the tech, yeah, which a, I really enjoyed. There's the, some things that it says about AI here yeah. that I really, really enjoyed as well. Yeah, the, the world in this is something that I kept like coming back to as well. Like Just like even the little things of – they don't go too far with it. Um because a lot of movies that take place in the future just go crazy far where it's like mm-hmm. flying cars and people don't have to eat anymore, <laughs> like stuff like that. Whereas this is just like comp- computers don't have m- mouse a mouse anymore. You know, people talk to their computers entirely. Mm-hmm. Um, printers can make things look like they're printing handwriting instead of, you know, text. And just like small little details where I'm like, that world is set up really super well where I can believe it. But also, and and it sets up the whole premise of the story where it's not too far fetched. Yeah, definitely. I think that again, one that we don't want to say, say too much about because we really want you to go out and watch it, um, especially if you missed it back then. If you di- if you did see it, uh, go rewatch it because it really is just a fantastic movie. Um, all three of these that we've talked about: Ex Machina, Her, and The Informant, all available on Netflix now. Um, so go out and check it out. Three good movies, and we're gonna give all three of them this week's retro recommend. <laughs> So one more movie to review, but it is a more recent one and one that I know you were really excited to get to. 
Yes. Uh, kind of a retro recommend because it makes everyone think they're back in eighth grade, <laughs> um, which is eighth grade. The Bo Burnham written and directed movie about a girl who is in eighth grade. Uh, what? Coming, is that what that's Yeah, about? it's it's crazy. Uh, and then she murders a dude. It's pretty crazy. What? No, no murdering. Oh. Um, Spoilers. <laughs> so... Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, it's it basically, it is a girl who's in her la- final week of eighth grade, and it's really a deep dive and in, in kind of into her life, and really the life of an eighth grader in general. So, um, <laughs> to the, the plot is really the movie uh, itself, like what I just said, but and it kind of unfurls as, as the movie goes, but um, stars Elsie Fisher, who plays Kayla, the girl in the movie, um, she is kind of a known actress, uh, and you were mentioning some things she's done voices for. Yeah, she was uh, she was the voice of the smallest girl in Despicable Me, mm. which is a really random, weird uh, little uh, part that she had had like 10 years ago. Okay. Um, really, the only other known actor that I know um, is, and he's the type of guy where like you see his face, you know who he is. Um, the actor's name is Josh Hamilton. Yeah, he's been, he's been in like an American Horror Story. His name, his character is Hank Fox, is the name. Do you know which which season? It, it says 2011. No, sorry, 2013. Uh, I don't know. I might have missed that season. But he's done a lot of just character acting in TV shows. Um, the movie I've seen him in recently is uh, at the Meyerowitz Stories on Netflix, the okay. Adam Sandler one. Um, just, but yeah, a very recognizable face character actor type guy. He plays the father, uh, Mark. But uh, yeah, I mean, it, it fought, the movie does follow Kayla around, um, going going through kind of her her last week of eighth grade. She is a very um, awkward girl. She so she she does these uh, like video diaries type things uh, that she posts on YouTube for motivating people, helping people get through scenarios and situations, helping people with confidence and uh, going on like first dates and just like random stuff like that. Um, and the movie kind of uh, parallels that by showing her, her and her life, uh, how she handles those in real life, um, very opposite to what she, what she, um, portrays in the, in the videos she makes. She, like I said, she's very, very awkward, very quiet. Um, just a, you know, typical teenage girl who's not like the super popular girl type thing, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh. <laughs> so again, from there, it just it, it's it's a really it's a really strange, awkward but yet charming, funny journey that you take with her through that final week. Um, when I say awkward, I mean there's some scenes that are super awkward, <laughs> like really really awkward. Um, from the beginning of this movie, though, I mean I guess from the beginning of the movie is it's it's very just like kind of those introductory things. You see a video that she makes, you get a bunch of like music, kind of like eighth grade-ish type music, like very poppy and peppy and energetic. Um, Very, talking to you about it, very like Bo Burnham-esque type of just like strange music, that that type of like, it's very, if you've seen any of his stand-up specials, very just like kind of random type stuff there. Mm -hmm. But then once it gets into the story and you you really, you know, follow this, this girl around, I know I, for me specifically, I was sucked immediately back into eighth grade. Um, just feeling the same kind of emotion she was feeling. I, I've put myself into her shoes, which I don't do very often for movies. Yeah, that's um, not your thing. But I was instantly put back into being a being a, a teenager. Um, so much so, like, especially, like, with her, her relationship with her father, kind of reminded me of mine with my mother type stuff. Um, 
really just being kind of a shithead when you're a kid like that. <laughs> um, <laughs> like not wanting to talk to your parents and just focusing on like your friends and stuff like that. That really hit home. I actually called my mom right after and I was like, you know what, mom? Sorry for being a shithead. Oh, look at you go. <laughs> I got to uh, watch this fucking movie. It made you have feelings. It did. It really did. I, I, I got a little teary in it. Uh, no, no, no bawling, but a little teary. And it, it was just so weird because like it's a it's an hour and a half movie. It went by just super fast for me, but I did did feel it felt like a time machine for me. Just like feeling like a like a, a teenager again, um, and and reacting to the movie as a teenager, which was really cool. Um, again, I like, like I said, I don't get that often, but um, it was cool kind of being back in that mindset for a bit, and then being able to take myself out of it afterwards because no one wants to be that. Again. Oh God, no! <laughs> <laughs> um, but in terms of the actual movie and performances and things like that, I do think it's very, very well written. It's written for a twenty. He's about the same age as us. He's like twenty seven, twenty eight. Bo Burnham is. He writes from from the perspective of, of a teenage girl very well. It seems like um, he. I know from like him personally, he deals with the anxiety and things pretty pretty heavily, mm-hmm. and so does the character uh, Kayla in this movie as well. So I think that's kind of where he builds off that, but. Um, anxiety is a huge part of this movie and, and you, for someone who, me personally, I don't deal with anxiety to a, a whole lot. Um, I could feel it in this movie. So that was, that was, that was interesting. Um, yeah, just like really, it was really cool. I, I think I was telling you after, it's not like the best movie I've seen this year in terms of like an actual movie and it's not the best, you know, best acted, best well, you know, made movie, um, best directed or anything like that. But it is just like a, a it, it's like pulling a slice of life and seeing it on screen. And uh, while it's not, I don't think it's the best movie I've seen this year. I th- it's one of my favorite movies I've seen this year for sure. Um, I would recommend anyone go see this because I'm <laughs> obviously not a 12 year old girl or 13 year old girl, <laughs> but I, I connected it to it in, in more ways than just like the, the relationship. There's, there's anyone who's been through eighth grade can relate to this either through the experiences of this person um, or, um, like the experiences around this person, you know, you can put yourself back in those, in your shoes and kind of see how others, uh, didn't see how like others might've dealt with that back then. Even if you didn't deal with the same things, you can see how others might've and kind of think through where you were at then too. Mm -hmm. I did a lot of that. Um, yeah, just, just really cool. I absolutely recommend seeing this movie if you can. So I'm definitely going to try to see it. Uh, I don't really remember anything about that time in my life other than I guess playing video games probably, <laughs> um, but I am excited and and yeah. If there's if I mean if it got you to call your mom and and, and have small tears in your face, then <laughs> I'm gonna be a blubber and fucking mess. I'm sure. So yeah, uh, I'm definitely excited to check this one out. I've heard rave reviews across the board that this movie has kind of earned a wide release. Mm-hmm. It's been it was started at the film festivals. It's gotten small releases sort of throughout the summer and finally yeah. now has gone wide. Um, and it sounds like that's well-deserved because every review I've heard, it's a lot of the same things you're saying. It's just fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, even if it, you don't remember a whole lot or you know don't have a ton of memories or feelings of eighth grade specifically, just teenage years growing up, mm-hmm. uh, even just the, the fact of growing up uh, can, can feel it. And like even simple things that put me back right into it were like school assemblies, you yeah. know, like thinking of those and – like the pep rallies and the like pool parties and and like going to hang out at a friend's house that you might not be super familiar with stuff like that i mean it's it, it's just like these little things that'll bring you back to to that mindset i think that anyone can relate to this movie in some way or another 
Yeah, no doubt about that. Uh, I'm excited to see this. I want I want to go see this as soon as I can. Um, and I I say that a lot, but I mean it in this case. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I am I am excited to definitely uh, definitely go check this one out, and it sounds like everyone else out there should do the same. Truth, Gucci. It's Gucci indeed. Uh, high praise for Eighth Grade, written and directed by Bo Burnham. I know we're big fans of his stand up. We'll see. Bag Bargum. Bag Bargum. Uh, you know, so get out there and see how he does uh, in terms of movie making. Uh, sounds like pretty good so far. Uh, We're going to wrap up the show there. Don't forget to get out and subscribe wherever it is you may be listening, iTunes, uh, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever it is. Um, Make sure that you're subscribed so you can get new episodes as they release every Friday. Uh, Don't forget also, if you want to see a not-so-video version of the podcast, uh, you can check that out on YouTube. At Jared Buckendall. uh, Where you'll also find The Ride Home. Uh, you'll also find reviews by Jared. Jared uh, reviewed 8th tra- grade. Trailer review. Yeah, there is a review of 8th grade. We'll post a link to that um, in the description box as well. Um, and then also, of course, the JB Classics. And uh, if you've missed it so far, uh, make sure you check out the link below we're posting where you can uh, register to win a prize from Jared. Uh, there's a Fandango gift card in the mix and a uh, free uh, digital download of I think was it Rampage? <laughs> Rampage. Of Rampage. So uh, check out the link down below. Uh, all kinds of ways to win uh, if you uh, follow us on Twitter or subscribe to us uh, wherever it is you might listen. Also, don't forget audibletrial.com slash SoCo. Get 30 days of Audible and your first book for free. Free! Don't forget also check out Mathis Designs on Etsy where you can uh, get a lot of uh, graphic design stuff and uh, fun things that are made by our good friend Steph Mathis. Paid. Paid indeed. Uh, with that, this has been episode 56 of the SoCo Show. And happy Octiversary, buddy. <laughs> we'll be back next week with episode 57. This has been the co-host, Cody Michael, for the SoHo Seth Ott. We will see you next week. Bye. 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 Gucci.